Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. not something you do every week, I hope. Um, And no church wants to go through this every two years, and no pastor wants to do this every two years. This is a long-term type thing, and I want to tell you, this is holiness. This is holy ground. We are here for a very holy purpose. When we come into the sanctuary, it's holy ground. When we come into all this kind of a process and doing what you as a church will be doing next week, it's holy ground. And this is something that's very holy. And I want to just say thank you for allowing us to share in that holiness part of this this particular day. Can we just start with a word of prayer, please? Jesus, we are here, and we are standing on holy ground, and we thank you because you are here. Hallelujah. You are here. Amen. We've studied, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've thought, we've put together a sermon, but in essence... You have put it together, and we want you to be, you want you to be the one who speaks, whether it's on the paper or not, because we want to hear from you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. By way of introduction, there is a word that is used to be a description. It is a word that is used to describe something that happens throughout the annals of Scripture. It is something that describes an occurrence with many people. And throughout that time, from the beginning of the book of Genesis, even through the end book of Revelation, it occurs. It is from God, so that we would know from God what he would have us to know about God. And he reveals it to the people of God, the men and women of God. Therefore, when it happens, I'm just, I just want to share it with you is this. They are always with holy people. Holy people people. There are many who had that happen. One of them is, De- is Moses. He is on Mount Sinai. You may remember it well. Moses is there. He is up there on the mountain. He actually meets God face to face. And from there, God gives him the annals of the law written on a piece of stone with his own finger. And from that point, Moses goes down into the, where the children of Israel are, and he sees them in idolatry. Does that hit you? God has been with these children of Israel, has brought them out of Egypt, has delivered them for a new day and a new beginning and a newness and a new path for them. And they gather enough jewels and stuff to only make the size of a calf. Moses becomes livid. Thank you, Moses. And he says, this is not going to be. And he sends people throughout to say, those who are participating in this, strike them so that we can purge it. And Phinehas goes through and does it. Moses goes back up on the mountain. He takes Joshua with him up to a point. And from there, Moses is again encountering God. 
It also happens with Daniel. You may remember that story well. Daniel is one of the three children that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or with the three children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are taking off into captivity, and it is the time of captivity for them, which is beginning to build them for a newness again in their lives. And toward the end of the book, Daniel is given what's going to happen later in the last days. There's Ezekiel. He is given the, this, this, this description of what happened with seeing the wheels and then the dry bones. And then at the end of the book of Ezekiel, the last eight chapters, he is given this description of what will happen and the kind of a temple that should be built. And it was to a T. And that word I want to talk to you about this morning is vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. Oh, you guys are good. I love this stuff. Thank you, board and people, for doing this. This is phenomenal. I, want to, I mean that. Thank you. The word is vision. Vision. Each of these men, these people, had, and many more in the whole of Scripture, had visions from God that were encounters with God. They were faithful people. They were righteous people. They were spirit-filled, spirit-guided people who would not waver, but declare what they had been told and what they had seen. Do we want to have a vision that we choose to refuse to give up? Or as Karen indicated and, and, and implicated, are we willing to trade the great for just good enough? I fear I have been over an entire state as an executive state elder in another denomination association. And as I've shared with many pastor, pastor meetings and greetings and things, I fear that too many of us in the church, not just pastors, have traded the call of God and made it a vocation and a work and a career for God. Ouch. And I've seen so many churches that were really big go to really nothing and have to be sold the building because of it. And yet I've seen the exact opposite, thank you Jesus, to where a smaller church took on a vision for God and chose to say, I will not be moved, I will not give in. And they went through a growing phase, they went through a renovation phase in their own hearts, they went through a renewal phase, and then when God came down, it exploded. What's your vision? Does the champion church of the Nazarene have a vision for what God can do and God wants to do through and with and for us? I think of people like this. These things that uh, other people have had are not heresy, but they are holy. When I think of, of, of them and think of this, I think of people like William Booth. He had a vision for reaching the poor, and he ended up forming what we now call the Salvation Army. And it is still around today, reaching people who need food, who need outreach, and through reading their needs, no matter what neighborhood they come from, they are encountering Jesus. I was talking with Dave earlier this morning, and, it, and we confirmed with each other that it's not up to us to build the church, and it's not up for uh, us to have them accept Jesus, but it is up to us to be Jesus and share Jesus. And that's what William Booth did, and look at what happened with the Salvation Army. 
I think of two men, you might have heard of them, John and Charles Wesley. They had a vision for a movement of God to hold this word of God as absolute and a holiness perspective out of which came the Methodist church and the, what we call the Wesleyan Armenian doctrine of entire sanctification and holiness and theology. And from that, the church of the Nazarene has come, among many others. I think of Phineas Brzee, who also had another vision. He was told he couldn't be the way he was, and he's going to have to just move and quit. And he said, fine, bye. He went to California and what became one of the founding fathers of what we call now the church of the Nazarene. I think of Neville Williams, who was in the Western Cape District, for many years, he prayed and fasted, and he for two years solid, every week he had people tithing their, tithing their time and tithing their meals to fast. Ouch. Tithing is not just our money. It's our time and everything about us. And for two solid years on Saturday night, every single Saturday night, they prayed and they fasted and they sought God that apartheid would be broken and the church could be planted. And they planted little, 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 uh, congregations and house homes of colored people and when apartheid fell it literally exploded and I was there in 1995 after it had exploded through thrust of the cities and what a miracle of God came I don't mean dinky doinky little churches I mean the smallest ones in the 60s and 70s as I recall and they just took off I don't know where you're at but I have a question there are others as well that we could go in, but I have a question. The question of the hour is this. Is there a vision that is present, prevalent, and persistent in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives that will not let go, that encapsulates us, that draws us, that owns us, because it is Jesus that owns us, and it's his vision. In Champion, Ohio, in Trumbull County, in the surrounding areas, in the mission field of wherever it is you work, in the mission field of where you live, in the mission field of where you shop for groceries, in the mission field of wherever it is that you go to get gas, I believe we can have Church of the Nazarene at Aldi. I don't say that to be funny. A time recently when I was in Aldi, I came around the corner and this lady was crying and I said, you seem upset. I mean, once in a while even I, oh, sorry, once in a while even I can get it. And I said, how can I help? And she unloaded because someone asked. Her husband had just told her that he had someone else, had left her, and it was just her and her daughter. And she said, I've just got enough to get a few groceries. And, and I said, oh, no, let me help you. And about that time, some other people began to hear it. And when she walked out, she walked out with over $200 in groceries that all of us chipped in on. Jesus at the Aldi Church of the Nazarene. Our mission field. Can we really escape doing that? In Acts, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John were being, had been arrested. And they were told, you need to keep quiet. But if you look in Acts chapter 19, or 4, verses 19 through 20, verse 19 says this. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must decide. But as for us, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen 
and heard. What's your story? What's your encounter? How did God save you? How did God save me? How did God fill you with the Holy Spirit? I was sitting at a stop sign, not in a church, not at an altar like this, but at a stop sign, and my altar was leaning over my steering wheel when I made sanctification real. God is not bound by a building, but he is bound by his promise that if we seek him, he will be made known to us. Their vision, be spirit-filled, message-being believers and proclaimers that Jesus had commissioned them to be and sent by the Holy Spirit to fill them to be. Here's my text. Let me just share them with you. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law, i.e. the word of the Lord, happy is he. And also Acts 18, 9 through 10. Verse 9 says this, and the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, go on speaking and do not be silent. Verse 10, for I am with you, that I am, the same I am of Moses. I am with you, and no one will attack you for harm, for I have many in this city who are my people. Vision. There's some thoughts I want to share with you, and then I'm going to try to move through the sermon rather quickly. The thoughts that I see in this are that a vision within the church and owned by the church is critical for the functioning and survival of the church. Do we have a vision? It's critical. Second thing I see is a vision embraced is the cure and the life giver from God to and for the believer and to and for the church. The third thing I see is a vision pursued in full awareness, full embodiment, and full refusal to quit gives purpose, power, absolute assurance of God, as well as a fear overcome. I thought it was great that song, Dave, that you sang, Overcoming Fear. Man, it just fit right in. That was ordained of God. Thank you. Fear. I am with you. Fear not. And the last thing I would share is a vision received is for the holy people of God, the holy people of God. Paul and the holy apostles that was sent to the Corinthian church, a very sinful carnal church, <coughs> was for and to the holy people of God to be the proclaimers of God with the message of God that there would be transformation in the culture. Joanne Lyon put it this way. General Superintendent Emeritus in the Wesleyan Church, I heard her speak, and she said it this way. Dave, you might want to steal it. I'll let you. We are not in the business of culture pacification. We are in the culture and the business of culture transformation. Wow. Let me say that again. That has gotten me over many years. We are not in the business of culture pacification. We are in the business of culture transformation. Let me give you my sermon in a sentence. If this works out, I give a sermon in a sentence. So you can take it home with you and make it easier for you. And I just hope it does help. This, that is this. God has a vision for us to be embraced by us and proclaimed through us. Our theme is simply this. And I, I know I've messed up the slides, but that's okay. Just forget it. The theme is this. A new day for us. A new path from us with a new vision to us. 
Point one I will share will be this. I would share before I do this, God has given me a lot of time with prayer and fasting and seeking God for this message. I do not ever want to come into a church the first time without something very specifically from the God himself. Having been a state elder, executive state elder, I would go into churches that would, had been through a lot of tough stuff and I wanted something for them. I'd been through churches that had been through a lot of glorious stuff and I wanted something specific for them. And today I wanted something specific for you. So let me just share with you with this. There are some visions that God has for each and every one of us. Point one, the vision for us all being Bible-based. Bible-based. Not book-based, research-based, but Bible-based. And all we do, all we say, all we pursue. You see, I believe this book right here is the Word of God. I believe it tells me everything I need to know for salvation. I believe God breathed it, God gave it, God inspired it, God had people write it. And if I doubt one iota of the, I started to say iota, boy is that Kentuckian. One iota of the, of the words and the message in here, then I in essence am calling God himself a L-I-A-R and I am not doing that. There are those who said, doesn't tell us everything for salvation, you're right. Let me give you an example. Remember the story when people let a man down through the roof because they wanted Jesus to heal him. Who fixed the roof? It doesn't tell us. It's not needed for us to know. But everything that we need to know to come to Jesus about Jesus is here. It starts Genesis 1.1. In the beginning... God. And the last message-bearing verse in the Bible is at the end of Revelation. Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. That's it. End of discussion. And everything and every page in this book, whether it's brown or black or whatever color you have, I don't care if it's ESV, RSV, ASV, NKJV, NLT, or any other T. I am more concerned you find a Bible that you read and stay in then you happen to get one that happens to be brown in color or a certain particular translation, but Bible-based. A, John 1, 1, and 14. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 14. 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. The vision of being Bible-based is based on the Word of God that is the written Word of God that is the revelation of God to the people for God to be the people of God. Now that's a mouthful. But it's still, are we being Bible-based? Because it's all about Jesus. The plan of salvation was not started on the cross. The plan of salvation was not started, I said started, when Jesus was born of a virgin, the plan of salvation started in Genesis 3.15. Because of sin that came, I will put enmity between your seed and his seed. He will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel, but I will redeem mankind through him. And from there forward, we hear about Jesus coming. 
The vision of Bible-based is to be Bible-based on the need and desire to have the glorious presence of God dwell in and among us, even at Champion Church of the Nazarene, so that we would be the not just the least kept secret, but the unkept secret in Champion, in Warren, in Trumbull County, on the district, in the denomination. What's your vision? The vision to be Bible-based is based on the need and desire to have an ongoing experience of fullness and grace and truth among, in, with, and through us to others. Point B is this. Point B is this. Man, I wish I'd had you in the last church I was at. You're doing great. Psalms 119, verses 11 and 105. Verse 11, I have stored your word in my heart that I would not sin against you. Verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do you see it? The vision to be Bible-based on the word of God and from being immersed into the word of God. Dwelling in it, Charles Spurgeon, and yes, I know he is alleged to be a Calvinist, but I think as he got older, he became much more Wesleyan Armenian. Anyway, he said this, I will never stand in front of a pulpit and in front of people or go to meet people until I spend at least twice as much time as I think I will be spending with them until I spend at least twice as much time with God. John Wesley would not ordain anyone unless they had fasted two days a week. Tithing, your time with Jesus, your food for Jesus, to be the presence of Jesus and the spirit for his residency of Jesus in us. The vision to be Bible-based is to be based on the word of God and to preserve the heart to and for God alone. Thy word I've hid. Your word I've hid, O Lord, in my heart, so it will be a light to my path, and I will not sin against you. And the vision to be Bible-based is be walking with God as he is the light, the will, shine our path for us to do what? Be the Great Commission. Not just, yep, that's where it's at. Let me see. Matthew 28. Be the Great Commission. Point C, 2 Timothy 2, 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. That's pretty big. Be approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The vision is being diligent to pursue and study and know the word of God to where, in essence, we are living. Not whatever your address is where you get your mail and your wonderful electric bills. But you're living in this. Any church, if you want to call them that, that does not live in and live by this is not even really a church. It is a congregation and a collection of people. I know a pastor in Illinois, and I want to share this carefully, who has a son that went off to a Christian college. After he got out of a Christian college, and it was a Christian college, he moved to Chicago and he went to a church that was very pro-homosexual. And I say church in quotes because it's not a church. He is now homosexual. Well, he's a pastor's kid. Yes, and you cannot make your children live by Jesus. You can guide them. You can teach them. You can live it for them. You can envision it for them. But then you have to pray and fast for them. And he does. And she does. 
I just believe that young man will never get away from God. But like the prodigal son will run into God. Because they feel that praying and fasting and staying in the word of God about their son is what is going to, the only thing that's going to get him back to God. Are we dwelling in this book? Let's go to point two. Let's go to a question first. What is the question of your mind and my mind and in our living? What is the foundation? The vision of God that we are centered and based on the word of God so that the life of God is manifest in, with, for, and through us because God has a vision for us that must be embraced by us so that it will dwell in us and then he flow through us. Point two is this. The vision not only of Bible-based but of being prayer and fasting focused. I'm going to have to be really honest with you, and I'm going to be transparent. I have not done a real good job across the years of preaching a lot on fasting. Yet it is a very absolute, necessary discipline of the discipleship life. Point A, prayer. Point B will be fasting. Point A, prayer. Matthew 5, or 6, 9, 6 uh, 5 through 7, and then verse 9, verse 5. And when you fast, verse 6. When, I'm sorry, when you pray, verse 6, when you pray, 7, when you pray. My wife was taught um, at a university. When she says it once, listen. When she says it twice, get it on a, you're going to get it on a quiz. When she says it three times, you're going to get it on a test. And when she says it four times, you better be ready for a final. It's going to be there. Even if she doesn't say it four times, it's still going to be there. If it's important enough for her to continue to bring this home, it's going to be there. When you pray, when you pray, when you pray. Are we getting it? And then verse 9, pray like this, and then we get the Lord's Prayer. Luke 18, 1, and he spoke a parable to this end, that they ought always to pray and not faint. Are we getting it? 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, pray without ceasing. The vision of prayer, being people of prayer, not just people that pray. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. It's not something that is an option, folks. It is not something that is a maybe. The discipleship life is dwelling in and with and through Jesus. And if we are going to dwell in and with and through Jesus, we will start by being Bible-based and we will continue by being prayer and fasting focused where we cannot get away from our day or get away off to our day or get in, go through our day until unless we dwell in here and start with here. As a state elder, as well as as a pastor, I've had people tell me, and you can plug your ears so you don't use this one. It's okay. And if you do, don't tell them I said it. Well, I prayed and they didn't come, so I quit. Last time I heard that, I erupted in tears. And I said, so ma'am, you quit praying because they didn't respond? Or did you quit praying because you quit? Are we getting it? 
Am I communicating? Am I tying in with you? Are you getting it? Prayer. Ties your time in prayer. I do not know what God would do and bust out through us, but I do guarantee you part of what Satan will do. He will fear, he will quake, he will shake, he will shimmer, he will run like everything because he knows in this place, among these people, in this township, in this county, in this district, in this state, in this denomination, God is moving. God is moving. Because people spend time praying and fasting. I was in a church one time and we all decided we would fast every Saturday and spend the day largely in prayer, though getting other things done, but using that time to pray as well. And I'm going to tell you, within the second to third week, God began to come down like never before and bang. The town bully showed up at church and hit the altar. The town motorcycle leader. He came to church one day, and, 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 and I don't know how y'all stand this or how y'all handle this, but he came to church. He came in the church with his motorcycle. When he's 6'6 and weighs 300 pounds easily, I'm not arguing with him. I'm just glad he's coming in. And the pastor preached on this day, you will be with me in paradise. Do you know Jesus? And that big 300-plus-pound guy hit the altar so hard he broke the altar. The next day, his, they didn't know it, but his dad was a carpenter, car, new carpet, whatever that feller's called. I'm sorry, whatever that man is called, Kentucky. Replaced the entire carpeting in the entire front of the church, free of charge. And the next day, he came back with a brand-new altar from his motorcycle gang, and his gang became Christians. You see, I don't know what God wants to, exactly what God wants to do among, with, through, and for us, but I do know he wants so badly to do something more. Fasting. Point B. Fasting. Matthew 6, 16. When you fast. Uh-oh, we're back to when. Command by implication. Joel 1, verses 14 and 2.15. And 2.15 basically is a repetition and repeats the exact same thing from 1.14. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather all the elders and the inhabitants of the land. Fast. When implies not if, but that you fast. Separating yourself from something almost always, at least some kind of food. If you're diabetic, don't separate from everything. God did not be, would not be pleased. You end up in an ER and having to have an IV insulin. Believe me, I've had to give it in an ER. I'm a retired nurse. It ain't fun. Consecrate commands that be people that fast, not as an optional discipline, but as a pursuit of God. Why? Brokenness, desperation, seeking, and to be and do something brand new. A new day for us, a new path through us, to envision in us and with us. Gather all the elders and assemble everybody. Leave no one out. Prayer and fasting are molded. I'm sorry, that was good. Are modeled by Moses on Mount Sinai, by Jesus in the desert. 
by the church of Acts, if we are going to be disciples of Jesus and follow this thing called the Bible, where we are being Bible-based, I really strongly believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we will be people of fasting as well. To seek God like never before. Prayer is coming into the presence of God to commune with God and the person of God. And fasting is the key to interventions from Him, through Him, through desperation, through seeking, and through needing and wanting God even more. If, as, and when we all become and are Bible-based and prayer and fasting focused, we will be unable to explain the move of God, but we will catch the third vision. And point three is this. The vision of all to be outward-centered. Look, if you would, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. It's called the Great Commission. It's there for a reason. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am. There's that I am again. The great I am in the Old Testament, in Genesis, in Exodus, is the same I am that is with us even unto the end of the age, ladies and gentlemen. He has not changed. He is still here. He is still wanting us to experience a newness in us and a new path through us, through a vision within us. Point A continues. The vision outward-centered starts with First, the word go. It is a word of action. What do the first two words of God spell? G-O, go. What do the first three words of Satan spell? S-A-T, inoperable. Sitting, doing nothing. The vision of outward center is other focus, baptizing them. Why are we here? We're not here to have a nice, beautiful sanctuary, and thank God you have it. We are not here to sing wonderful, glorious songs of praise and worship, and thank God we have done it. But we are here so that we would be enthused on Sunday to do the greatest work of the kingdom Monday through Saturday to tell others of Jesus. And the vision outward reaps eternal presence. I am with you as you go. If you go, he, the great I am, is with us. Point B, Luke 14, 23. And the master said to the servant, here we go again, go out, out of your walls, out of your comfort zone, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. Why? God's even concerned about numbers so that my house will be full because in every number has infinitesimal eternal value. It's not just a report at the end of the year for the district to have and pass on to the denomination. It's because every soul matters for Jesus or matters from hell. Charles Spurgeon again put it this way, the soul of a man is of such eternal worth that the gates of hell have come against it to condemn it, but the blood of Jesus came to redeem it. The command is to go out in two, go out where they are to focus on them that they will hear, be invited, and come. Again, Dave, you're right. It's not up to us to build this church, but it is our responsibility to tell and to be of Jesus and to share Jesus with someone. Just tell your story. 
I was in the motel where you folks were so gracious to put us up, and let me thank you. Wow. When I was going up and down the elevators, and one time I came around, and, and I met him again this morning for breakfast, and I saw him last night, and they said, how you doing? And I said, I am so blessed by God. It's impossible to get along without him. And he looked at me, and he burst into tears. And here's a story, Dave. He said, 10 years ago, I was cheating on my wife. I was a drunk. I had a police record. They were about to send me up for stuff. I'm not proud I did, and I admit I did it. And my wife went to prayer and fasting and seeking and not be about her and her pain, but she began to have others come around him. And now I am 10 years clean, 10 years sober, 10 years not cheating, 10 years following Jesus, and 10 years bringing people to Jesus. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.